This episode of Spawned is brought to you by the Nintendo 2DS New Mario Bros. 2 Bundle, an amazing holiday gift for just $79.99. Play along with your kids and relive the fun of Mario, Luigi, Princess Peach, and Toad, and all of your Nintendo favorites. And the Nintendo 2DS system even plays 3DS games in 2D, giving you more bang for your buck. Find out more at nintendo.com slash 2DS. This episode of Spawned is also brought to you by Homer, the learn-to-read app for kids 2 to 8 that is not only fun for kids, but with just 15 minutes a day of use, it's proven to increase reading scores by 74%. Sign up now at learnwithhomer.com slash Spawned, and Spawned listeners get a two-month free trial. That's learnwithhomer.com slash Spawned. Hello and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. And I'm Liz Gumbiner, and we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. On today's episode of Spawned, we are going to be answering all of your burning Thanksgiving questions. And by that, I don't mean burnt turkey. <laughs> Darn it. Just general burning questions. Although, you know, maybe people have questions about turkeys too. That would be fun. And then we would send them to Cool Mom Eats, Liz. I don't think either of us would be answering burning turkey questions. <laughs> yeah, that's my source for sure. Plus, we're going to have, as always, our Cool Picks of the Week. This was fun. I love when we get listener questions. These are my favorite shows. Like, number one shows. We just like having answers to things. <laughs> we like answering other people's questions because it's really hard to have your own uh answers for your own life's problems, but other people, easy. <laughs> All right. So let's get started because we have a bunch. You guys sent us a yeah. ton of questions. Wow. All right, Liz, you want to take the first one? Okay. This one we actually got from quite a few people. So Eliza wrote to us and said, how do we tell relatives politely to help clean up for a change. And similarly, Alex wrote, I love the enlightened feminist men in my life, but Thanksgiving still feels like women's work. The men only do what's asked of them and nothing more. What do we do? Hmm. This is a good question. Although in my house, the men or man actually always cleans up. So I don't really have that problem. Uh, you know, look, a lot of couples and families kind of have the deal that whoever cooks doesn't do the dishes. So that's one way to handle it is just to start saying, guess what, men? New thing this year. <laughs> You're all doing in the dishes and you assign that and uh, hopefully they'll be cool with it. Why not? Put a TV in the kitchen so they can watch football while they're cleaning. No, we're doing that too. <laughs> we actually had a really good discussion about this because my mom and I said the same thing. We said it's really funny. Like my stepfather is like the super dish doer. He has a very particular way of doing dishes. He doesn't want to waste a drop of water. He's an environmentalist. And so we kind of creep slowly backwards from the kitchen when he's washing the dishes because otherwise he'll yell and say that we're doing it wrong. <laughs> but if he's not in the kitchen, yeah, the men tend not to do it. So we said this year, we think the kids are old enough that we're going to actually have the kids do it. I love that. I think you just have to go full bore ahead with it and be like, this is the deal, folks. We're cooking, you're cleaning, and then just leave it alone. No discussion needed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we're slaving in the hot kitchen. You can slave over the hot dishes. There we go. That's it. So that was an easy one. Yay. I feel like these are going to get harder, though, Liz. I have worries, so we'll see. I think so, too. Okay, so Sandy has a question. She says, when do you get to start having Thanksgiving at your house or at least staying home for Thanksgiving? So she's someone who goes to her mother's and has been for years and years, but she says now she's pushing forward or she's really ready to start having her own holidays and traditions at her home. How do you do that? Here's what I would do. And I think it depends on your mom, Sandy, first of all, and, and her personality. But one way you could approach this is be like, 
hey, you know, you're doing so much work every year. We want to take that off your shoulders. We want to do some of the work. We want you to have a break. It's our gift to you. Please let us do this for you. And we want to host it. Now, I don't know why you'd want to host it, Sandy. I love when other people cook. <laughs> I would never want to host it. I, you know what? Because I think it's expensive. It's a lot of travel. And oh, you know, okay. I think also right. one of the rites of passage of becoming a grown-up is the first time you get to have people to your house for Thanksgiving, too. Look, I'm with you. I, I'd be like, we're all going to the Palm for dinner. Yeah, me too. I'm with you, Liz. We'd all go together. Yeah, no, I think it's a really good question. I think it's tough because you're right. It does depend on her mom. Mm-hmm. And especially if it's a tradition. I mean, we have a crazy thing in our house because we're dealing with like the divorce families. And now that we've got the second generation of divorced people, we've got a lot of mixing and matching going on over the holidays. Sure. So we actually still have my childhood calendar of every other year, one year at my mom's, one year at my dad's. Unfortunately, like my mom hosts my entire side of the family every other year and that's worked out. But I can understand like where at one point maybe we want to do it or have it somewhere else. And and I can see where that would be really hurtful or difficult. I wish I had a better answer, but I, I think yours was pretty good, which is to say, we want to host it. We want you to come over. And you know what? If you can afford it, send her plane tickets. Yeah. I mean, if that's the case, I mean, if you're flying somewhere and I think it's fair to say, you know, we love seeing you, but it's become a financial burden on us. I mean, there's something to be said about honesty, right? It's like, it's really hard for us. We would be happy to fly you out. We want to see you. It has nothing to do with that. You know, we're just tired and we, you know, we want to stay home. Again, I still can't believe that, but... Also, technology. Make a new tradition. Like, I remember the first time when we weren't having Christmas Eve with my dad. And every year we would, like, get into our pajamas and he'd read Twas the Night Before Christmas. And then when I went off to college and that stopped happening, we started doing it over the phone where he would read it over the phone. And now that there's FaceTime, maybe you can somehow, like, build a FaceTime event, you know, where the whole family gets together. And that becomes kind of part of a new Thanksgiving tradition. Like, everybody sets aside 20 minutes and you'll have a big video chat. So I know it's not the same as being there. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you can find ways to make sure people feel like included and loved. And really, that's what Thanksgiving's about. right? And also make it at a different time of year, because I can only imagine like if you're a mom, Sandy, we're moms like it's a big deal. It would be a big deal for me to see my own kids as adults at the holidays. So if you're not going to go and she's not gonna be able to make it, definitely see her another time of the year. Unless she's crazy, and then just don't go at all. (laughs) (laughs) Then just make an excuse. Um, Okay, here's one. We've gotten a few variations of this. So Nancy wants to know, how do you deal with the hundreds of food, and she put allergies in quotes? (laughs) Now, some are real allergies, but obviously some are not. Right. She said new diets, food likes, dislikes, children's tables. How do you deal with that? And similarly, somebody asked us, how do you tell your host if your daughter has just become a vegetarian? Actually, my niece just became a vegetarian. Ah. And here's how they told me. Hey, Liz, your niece is now a vegetarian. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, we'll make sure we have vegetarian things for her. What, they didn't send you a card with dancing vegetables and balloons shaped like eggplants? No? Like a a gender reveal party. (laughs) box that I opened up with confetti all shaped like vegetables. (laughs) Well, look, I think there's two answers to this question. The first part is whether you're the one who's visiting. And the second part is if you're the one who's hosting. So the easy one is if you're the one who's hosting, your job is to make everybody feel comfortable. I agree. And that's it. So I have a stepmother who's lactose intolerant and can eat like four vegetables, but some of them have to be cooked and some not cooked. And she's got crazy stuff. So we just make sure that she has something to eat. You know, we've got a kid that only eats white food, so we make sure she has something to eat. I think the challenge is when people get really stuck 
stuck on their food traditions, and they kind of forget that it's really about family and gratitude and being together and thankfulness. And I think that's more important than anything you eat. We had one year where we served chicken instead of turkey when the kids were younger because we realized nobody really liked turkey that much, and chicken is better. <laughs> that's so funny. I was listening to an episode of The Sporkful, and one of his guests actually served squab <laughs> one year because nobody liked turkey. So you know what? Yeah. If you don't like turkey, don't serve turkey. Yeah, eat pigeons. No, I live in New York. I can't eat squab. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that thing was just flying over my house and pooping on my car a minute ago. <laughs> but I think if you're visiting and you're the one who has the food allergies, honestly, I mean, everybody I know who's a vegetarian or vegan or paleo, they're really good about saying, I have this issue or this eating requirement or this diet, so I'm just going to bring my own whatever because I don't want to put you out. I mean, everybody I know does I that. I agree. And I also think you have to say it. I think the one mistake that people make is assumptions, right? Like assuming yeah. that people are going to remember that you were a vegan or a vegetarian or that you're not eating gluten anymore. You know, it's funny because I have gone through various things that I'm allergic to or I don't eat that I'm sensitive to. And my friend Tina is always like, all right, what are you eating these days? That's and it's great. just a thing she asks me. It's just common courtesy to let people know, I think, how you're eating. You don't have to be demanding about it, but just say, hey, you know, thanks so much for having us over. I just wanted to let you know that my daughter is now a vegetarian. So just wanted to make sure you'll have stuff that doesn't have meat in it. And if right. you don't, I'm happy to bring something. Exactly. So you're kind of meeting them halfway. You're not yes. trying to put extra, you know, work on the person who's hosting. I think that's great. And I really like your point about remembering to just ask when you host. Like when you you said that, it made me think every birthday invitation I get now for my kids, it says, please let us know if there are any food allergies. Yeah. And it's here. funny because I wouldn't have thought to ask that about Thanksgiving. So I think that's really good, especially if you're having like new people coming or new spouses or new kids. You know, it can't hurt to just get in the habit of asking like anything I should know about before we start cooking. All right. Well, I have a good one. This is a fun one, Liz. This one's from Audrey yeah. and she needs some great tips for road trips with kids. She's got, a, oh my God, a 10 hour drive, a 10 hour drive. Audrey, oh, what are you Audrey. doing? Um, she says that they're older, so she knows electronics will die at some point. So she wants family game suggestions that won't get eye rolls from cool teens. Right. Well, first of all, Audrey, get some phone chargers, lady. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they can plug right into your car these days. It's 2017. So if you're worried about the electronics dying, that's easy. But if you're trying to get off screens, which I completely understand. I think we have some really good ideas, right? Yeah. So we love Super Fight. Liz, have you ever played this game? No. What is Super Fight? Oh my gosh. It's it, it super sounds fun. like something you don't want your kids to do while you're driving. I know. It sounds like it, but it is really fun. So it's a card game. So that's great. You don't need any game pieces, which is difficult in a car ride. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you're getting different characters or people. So for instance, they'll say like Abraham Lincoln, or they'll say a zombie, or they'll say Hillary Clinton. And then you pick out uh, two characteristics, and these characteristic cards can say everything from has invisible powers, um, ate too much for dinner, has crazy farts, and then uh. you and a teammate have to create your character and then rationalize why yours would win. Ooh, it's kind of like um, not parent approved or apples to apples. Exactly. Cards Against Humanity, like that kind of pairing things. Exactly. I love that. Ooh, exactly. I want to get that. And it's great for the car. So that's my one pick, Super Fight. But the driver probably can't play. No, the driver can't really play, but everybody else can play and really the driver will be happy because everyone else will be occupied and hopefully not whining. So I would say invest in Super Fight. That's good. Um, Mad Libs. Oh, Mad Libs is great. Mad Libs. What about you guys? What do you guys play in 
the car. Well, you know, I have like Broadway kids, so they just want to listen to the Broadway station on Sirius XM, which is good, for, but not for 10 hours. No. But one of the games we play, this is so fun. We once did this actually at Thanksgiving with my whole family. I don't know. We just call it the song game. I don't know what it is. But you basically pick a word. Like moon, dance, girl, like kind of a, you know, a generic word that you might hear often in songs. And you take turns, you have two teams, and you take turns having to sing a song lyric that contains that word. I love that. But Audrey, you're going to need noise-canceling headphones if you're going to play that in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's I'm fun, kidding. though, because, look, you're only singing, like, one line from the song, and you're kind of singing off tune anyway. But it's a good one that little kids can participate in. Yeah, older kids, like, it's fun for everybody. Like, you know, if I said moon, it would be easy for you right off the top of your head to come up with, like, six songs that have the word moon in it oh that's fun so anyway that's my suggestion for a game that you know when the kids have outgrown i spy yeah we always <laughs> play something called baby trivia we're basically because i have a lot of kids so what i will do is just name something that someone did as a baby it's kind of fun for me to see what i remember <gasps> oh and then they have to guess who it was I love so like that. who pooped in the tub when they were a year old and then everyone guessed who pooped in the tub yesterday no i'm kidding <laughs> Thank goodness those days are over. Oh, and I have to tell you about one more game. Yeah. It's called Dinky. Have you heard of it before? No. I'm learning lots of new things. Oh, it's so fun. It's another great game for the car because you don't need any game pieces. It's a card game. And what it has for relatively easy trivia questions, which is great so your younger kids can play this. Like my seven-year-old, my nine-year-old can play. Because don't you find sometimes trivia games, it's really hard for the younger kids to play. They're not made for like the elementary school set. So this is basically four trivia questions. Those four things have one thing in common. And what you have to do is you answer the trivia questions as they're read in your head or on a piece of paper. And then when you know what they have in common, you yell the word dinky. And then if you got it right, so for instance, if the answers were pig, cow, whatever, then you say dinky, farm animals. And if you're right, you get that card and you're trying to spell the word dinky out with your cards. Oh. It's really fun. Like horse. Exactly. I love that. Great that's game. fun. Yep. Yeah. Really good idea. And that's not a game that you buy, right? Yeah, you can buy it. Oh, because we could just make it up. You could, but it's hard to come up with four different trivia questions, all of which have the same thing in common that you can do in rapid succession. Ah, uh, okay. I got one more for you, which I was reminded of by Dinky. So my kids like to play this game called Party Core. This is really interesting. I don't know that one. I think it's a variation on an improv game. And what they do is, so one person is considered the host. So let's say I'm the host. I'm hosting a party. Everybody else in the car kind of like whispers to each other and they decide who they're each going to be and they have to be connected in some way. Then they knock on the door and I'm like, hi, come in as if it's a party. And I go, so it's good to see you. Do you all know each other? And then I just have to ask them yes or no questions until I can identify each of them. So I might say, are you guys from a book? And they say, yes. And I go, oh, are you from a book that came out this year? And they're like, no. And I'm like, do you wear glasses? And someone says, yes. And I say, do you have a scar on your forehead shaped like a lightning bolt? Yes. Are you Harry Potter? Yes. And then you kind of figure out, okay, they're all Harry Potter characters. So then you kind of start narrowing down who everybody else is. And you can make it hard because sometimes they're like these really like arcane characters, like someone's Ginny Weasley, you know? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Neville or the owl. (laughs) And then um, you can also make it easier if you've got younger kids. Like, so you're the Wizard of Oz character. I love that. We're going to have to pick that up. Yeah. Party core. It's really fun. All right. So let's switch gears here. Well, we're still talking about kids, but this is a big dilemma. Man, this Mm -hmm. is a big one that I get all the time, which is, thank you, Dara, for this question, kid table 
or no kid table. Ah, uh, what do you think, Liz? You know what? What do you think? When I was a kid, I loved the kid table. So it was I. so much more fun. Me too. But I do remember getting to be about twelve or so, or thirteen, and I was the oldest, and so everybody else was ten or eight or six, and starting to feel like I wanted to be with the adults. And I think that's when things got a little trickier. Um. I don't know. I think the kid table's fun, and I think it's more fun if you take your most kid-like relative and seat them with the kids. So Uncle Howard <laughs> always got the kid table with the kids. And my ex, as you know, who'd rather talk to kids than adults any day, he would get the kid table with the kids. So that's one way to handle it. How about you? What do you think? I don't think there's anything wrong with either, to be honest with you. So if you want the kids at the table, then have them at the table. I mean, my kids always get briefed ahead of time, though, in terms of table manners. And, you know, unfortunately, our days are very busy with sports, and we don't get a lot of time around around the dinner table together. And so sometimes their manners are lacking and we're working on that. So I think if you're going to have them at the table, then I think you just need to brief them. And also you need to be prepared for them being kids because kids are kids. If you feel like you're going to be overwhelmed by that or your guests are going to be annoyed by that, then just pop them over at the kids table, put on Charlie Brown and the Great Pumpkin and, you know, like just relax about it. No big deal. I think also though, there are some kids that are higher maintenance than other kids for whatever reasons. They have behavioral issues or they're just young or they're tired or whatever it is. So if you've got a kid you know is going to be whiny and cranky, don't make that someone else's problem while you like drink in the corner. <laughs> like Take care of your kids and be a good guest and, and make sure your kid is as sated as possible so that everybody has a good time. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, if you're going to have a kid's table, then I would plan ahead and have stuff for them to do. Maybe have some coloring pages and crayons if they get bored. And you are going to have to have someone, whether it's Uncle Howard sitting there, <laughs> or you're going to have to have a delegate. It, right, who's going to check on them and make sure that they have their food and they need more apple juice. So, you know, you can't just kind of let them go. You know who I nominate, though, for that job is like the teenager. Uh. Like, get a teenager to be like, okay, listen, I need you to be the go-between here and help out and maybe you'll get out of doing dishes later. See? Oh, rewards. Yes. Yeah, rewards work well. Okay. I, that's a really good point. Like when your older kid feels a little more like they're being responsible yep. as opposed to they're being forced to do something, it's a different attitude that you get in return. I agree. All right. So what else do we have? Oh, my gosh. I can't believe how many questions. I know. So Laura, oh, this is kind of a tough question. So she says, what do you do when half the people at your table have taken the pledge? And she's referring to AA. So what do you do when you've got non-drinkers at the table who really probably shouldn't be around alcohol? Oh, gosh. That's a tough one. There's there's a couple different groups of people, though, that I've found um, in my experience with AA. I do have some experience going to, like, Al-Anon meetings. There's a group of people that are perfectly fine. Like, they don't want to interfere with everyone else's experience, right? Mm -hmm. So they're okay with it. Like it's at the table, it's there, they're fine with wine or alcohol or whatever around. And then there's the other group of people who can't be around it. They really need to be separated from it. It's difficult for them or it's really important to them. So I think you might want to find out who you're dealing with in a way. Like because some people just don't drink to not drink. And then some people don't drink because they, they can't. So that's what I would say is find out who you're dealing with. And then if it's really important that they you know, be at a dry table, then I would imagine that most guests would be completely respectful of that if they understood the situation. I agree. So if they knew what was going on and just said, you know, um, just to be respectful out of some of our guests, we're going to have a dry table. We do have alcohol and it's going to be over here if you would like to enjoy it. But at the table, we're going to be dry this year. You know, here's the other thing. And I, you know, I bet not everybody agrees with this, but the same way I said that it's really about being together and being thankful and relating to each other and being 
being kind and showing gratitude. It's really not about the food per se. And I think if you need to have a dry Thanksgiving out of respect for people for whom it would be challenging to have wine around, have a dry Thanksgiving. And I know a lot of people get angry about that. Like, oh, I should be able to drink, you know, while watching the game. You know what? Like, take your beers outside then. <laughs> but I, I think it's okay if you really need to. And hopefully, if you have decent, upstanding family members, they will understand that one day without alcohol is not going to kill them. Yeah. And I think for people who have taken the pledge or, or who are dry, it's important for you to just let your host know. You know, I think that most hosts, if they know in advance and you tell them, you know, hey, like, this is a real struggle for me or I'm really trying hard, I would really appreciate it. I mean, I would hope that hosts would understand and would want to accommodate your request. Yeah. And look, there's also like the kind of mid ground because I have someone in the family who is now been dry for a long time. Right. I'm very proud of her. But in those early days, if we were in a big situation where a lot of people were drinking, me and some of my other family members, we would intentionally abstain and sit around her so that, you know, it wasn't near her. Right. So we just made the choice to go dry with her so that she didn't feel like she was the only one who wasn't drinking. Yeah. And also, by the way, if you can't get through Thanksgiving dinner and you're angry about not having alcohol, like you might want to take the pledge. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just food for thought there, You Liz. can go right to like a Friends of Bill meeting immediately from Thanksgiving. <laughs> right? Okay. Look, holidays are a tough time for people for a lot of reasons, and that's one of them. So I think, you know, it'd be respectful to people who are having a tough time with substance abuse issues over the holidays. Oh my gosh. Sure. Yeah. And mad props and respect to them for being able to identify that they have a problem and stick to it. So that's where I am at Yay. with the whole thing is having empathy. Oh, look, we have a great question from CC Chapman, one of our favorite people on the internet. And he's asking us, what's the best way to make your mother embrace the fact that you don't want her in the kitchen at all while you are cooking everything? <laughs> Hopefully his mom is not a spawned listener. Oh, boy. You know what? Just give her another chore, right? Give her another task. Or, like, to your point, say, sit down. It's meaningful to me to be able to cook for you. And I know that you love this, and I know you want to help. But this means something to me. Like, appeal to her better self and say, I want to do this for you. It's important to me. Go sit in the other room and have fun. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, it's also managing expectations too, because if you look at it from her standpoint, like this might be her thing. She might take a lot of pride. This might be part of her identity. I mean, we're getting a little psychological here, but it might be deeply entrenched in her existence that she cook Thanksgiving dinner. Like she's good at it. She feels good when she does it. Exactly. And so to tell her to do something else or to not do it, even though you're trying to do a nice thing for her, might be perceived in a negative way. So, you know, like, just talk about it and be like, mom... I love that you want to help me cook. I just want to do this for you. Could you help me do this? I think giving the person something else that also signifies help because it sounds like that's an issue, right? Like she wants to help you. And a lot of people express their value through food and truly you know, nurturing truly. and nourishing their family yes, members. And I agree. You know, it's funny because my dad always told me the story that his father, my grandfather, never let him pick up a bill ever. So when my dad became an adult and he was, you know, working and finally earning his own paycheck, he wanted to be able to pay for dinner finally to kind of prove that he was an adult and his father would never let him. And I think it was kind of crushing to him because he needed to be able to do that, to show that to his father. You know, sometimes people need to do things for you. Sometimes people need to return the favor. Right, right. (laughs) And it's a good conversation to have. That's awesome. All right, so we knew we were going to get to this, right, Liz? Oh, gosh. We're here. We're going to take this time to address the awkward situations. 
this is definitely the topic that got the most discussion on our Facebook and Twitter feeds when Surprise. people are asking us questions, Surprise. which is kind of, uh, let's call it, how do we avoid, quote, those conversations, as Julia put it. Perfectly put, And Julia. there are all kinds of specifics about racist relatives and people who say horrible things and people who have different politics than you. This is a big, complicated subject. We could do a whole show on this. I think we even did last year. But, you know, look, there's a lot of answers. I think, first of all, you can say something up front. You can set the rules if it's your home. Like, we are having a political-free night. We're not bringing up politics at all. You bring anything up that's, like, even remotely offensive, you're out. I would make a timeout <laughs> chair. Make a political timeout chair so you can add a little <laughs> humor great. to it or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Stick an iPad there and be like, there's the timeout chair. You know, so, like, you're serious, but also you have a little bit of a sense of humor about it. Yeah. But I, but I think there's more to it this year. And I don't know if you'll agree with this or not. But politics and values have really become intertwined this year. And it's so loaded with topics like racism and xenophobia and sexism and bigotry, especially what's going on right now. I think that it's not necessarily about politics anymore, that when people support a particular candidate, it's like deeply painful for other people. So I think there's just so much more. And I think in the past, white people in particular have been told like, oh, if your uncle makes a racist... And sorry to uncles everywhere. I don't know why there's like the stereotype of the racist <laughs> uncle. I have really nice uncles. So sorry, guys. <laughs> we shouldn't put this all on you. But so let's say aunt for a change. Okay. So you have like the racist aunt who makes like, oh, the black people jokes or whatever, or or the racist grandpa who makes like the joke about women's boobs every year. I think at this point, you have to speak up. And I think for so long, we've been told, especially as women, especially I'm a white woman, especially me, you know, keep the peace, just smile and nod, don't respond, be a good hostess. Like, you know what? I'm out of fucks to give on this. <laughs> I'm done. I've lost my patience and I'm calling it out. And I think especially if you are white and you feel passionate about social justice, it's really important not to be a jerk about it, but that you can call it out and you can say, that makes me really uncomfortable. Or, you know what? I'm really offended when you say that. Or, you know what? That's not really nice. And I even looked at, I love the Southern Poverty Law Center, great organization that I support. And if you go to splccenter.org, they have a really good article on how to deal with everyday bigotry with your family. And they talked about how appealing to shared values is a good way to begin the discussions. Like say, our family's too important to let bigotry tear it apart. Or our family has always stood for fairness and the comments you're making sound really unfair. Or simply, do you think this is what our family should stand for? So that's just one way to handle it. Um, another thing I found, uh, Michelle Obama in a commencement address was talking about the racism she's faced. And what she said is when you encounter folks who still hold the old prejudices because they've only been around folks like themselves, when you meet folks who think they know all the answers because they've never heard any other viewpoints, it's up to you to help them see things differently. So I think if you take it upon yourself to be maybe more of an educator than an enemy combatant, I think you might be able to get further than you would expect. But I feel like the time has come and gone for us to smile and nod politely when we hear things that are deeply offensive and hurtful to people that we love. Well, especially if there's kids around. And I don't want to say that you would let it go if there weren't kids around. But I do feel as though, you know, my kids are older. They are able to process those comments. And just hearing them and me or 
or whoever disagrees with them not saying something is also setting an example for them too. You know, even having kids around can be a great barometer in terms of how you handle it too. Mm -hmm. Because I am not going to attack someone or go off on someone if my kids are around. So that's a good way for you to come up with creative ways to discuss your disagreement or your disgruntlement or whatever it is that you have feelings about. And I'm glad that you brought up kids because you're right. You're a role model. And when they see you standing up against hate or cruelty or sexist comments, they're learning from you that it's good to stand up against that. I agree with you. And I do feel like the language of, you know, that's unfair, or I don't like that statement, or I disagree with that statement. You don't have to necessarily get into it. And I think that's also a good example to set for your kids, is that you can state your disagreement in a very appropriate way. And by appropriate, I mean for that setting. Um, Do you necessarily want to go, you know, toe to toe with your crazy racist aunt? Maybe not, is that's not the time. But you can still stand up and say something so your kids can see. Hey, I'm not above shaming someone with a smile so they know it's not appropriate. <laughs> they feel a little shamed about like some awful things they've said. Like, I'm I'm okay with that actually. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. I just don't know if it's the place for you to be like going back and forth and yelling, especially if people are drinking. It's just not the time or place to do that. But do I think you should let those comments just go and laugh? I mean, you have to make your personal decision, right? You know your family. We don't. But I know that I've been in situations where all I've said is, I I just disagree with that, or that's really not appropriate for this, or or whatever I've said, and I walk away, Mm -hmm. and I get my point across. So it shows that I am not tolerating it, but I'm also not going to fight with them at Thanksgiving. I I think that's good. And I think, like you said, it kind of depends what they say and how extreme it is and how hurtful it is. And Tom wrote to us on Twitter and he said, what do you do when... See, again, with the uncles. Sorry, uncles. What do you do when your uncle says he isn't watching football because of the kneeling football players? Have him bring his own TV. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, make him do the dishes. Sorry, you got to do the dishes. (laughs) You won the dishes award. (laughs) Again. Again, you can set the rules. You can be like, this is a politics-free zone. If you don't like it, you can go back to your hotel and watch, you know, something else. Or I think it's an opportunity to educate. And I've read so many stories and heard so many stories from friends where they've explained what kneeling means and what that's about. And a lot of people didn't realize. Like, I had a friend who overheard two women in a diner talking about, you know, how awful it was, and it was disrespecting the military. And she came over, and she talked to them, and she said, do you understand the history of kneeling? And they were like, well, what do you mean? And she talked about how athletes kneel when their coaches address them. They ask them to take a knee. And that kneeling traditionally meant there's an emergency on the field. Yep. What? Well, you know, you're a sports mom mm-hmm. now. And that if there's an emergency that takes precedent over everything else, you kneel so that everyone stops and pays attention to the injured. And the women didn't know this. And they said, so it's not about disrespecting the anthem. It's about drawing attention peacefully and quietly to something that's hurtful and dangerous. And so... So the reason this started, um, I love this. Lee Siegel in the New York Times wrote, it's a gesture of pain and distress. Mm-hmm. So it's not meant to be disrespectful. It's meant to say there is something horrible out there happening right now. It's happening to black people. And we have a soapbox here where tons and tons of people are seeing us and we're going to draw attention to it. It's like the ultimate Martin Luther King act of civil disobedience. It's peaceful. It's not disrespectful. It's not intended to disrespect the flag. It's intended to call attention to something that is 
is dire and urgent. Now, people may or may not be ready to hear that, but my <laughs> friend told me that after having this conversation with friends about how it was meant as a sign of respect, they said, wow, you know what? We had no idea. And they came around on it. And they said, you know, I still don't like it, but I understand it now. And so, you know, maybe you have an opportunity to teach someone who only watches one news network and might not be understanding the full gist of the protest and what it's about. But, you know, I'm always a fan of try to educate instead of argue. <laughs> yeah. And also, by the way, like hopefully you're in a house with many rooms so you can give your speech about the kneeling and then you can go somewhere else. Like you don't have to sit in the same place with them unless you happen to be Sarah, who is sharing a two bedroom, one bathroom house with three generations for nine days. Oh, my God, Sarah. And then Sarah, I don't know what to tell you about that one. <laughs> I know it's out of fashion to say wine is the answer to everything. But you know what? Wine. But wine. <laughs> no, I listen. I, I agree with you. And I, like you, have very low tolerance. Um, especially as of late for stuff like that. I appreciate the idea that we can take the opportunity to educate. And I just keep saying the kids are around. They're listening. They're looking. They're learning all the time. And I think it's a perfect opportunity to educate them, by the way, without belittling that person who is making what sounds to be a very uneducated statement regarding, you know, this particular situation. Yeah. So. And this is where you then just like surreptitiously go put on children will listen from into the woods and just blast it into the house <laughs> and say, let's all listen to the song for a moment, family. Let's just, I love the song. Make a statement without saying a word. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, let's have one last question. And this okay. is from Jesse. And are you ready for this one? I am ready. Okay. She wants to know, why is every pie known to mankind a Thanksgiving dessert but cherry? She says that's serious bullshit. And with it, <laughs> is it okay not to like pumpkin pie and still be an American? Oh, well, I can answer this one. Okay. So, cherry pie is not a Thanksgiving dessert because cherries are out of season, my <gasps> oh, dear Jesse, in November. Jessie. And Thanksgiving is traditionally about the harvest and foods that are in season, like squash and other root vegetables that come from the ground and spring <laughs> forth at the time that the fruited trees are not delivering fruit to us like cherries. That's why. However, you know, things being the way they are and being imported from Ecuador, I'm sure you can go and get a cherry pie from the supermarket should you desire. Is it okay not to like pumpkin pie and still be American? I sure hope so because, Kristen, I hate pumpkin pie. Really? Oh I am God. not a pumpkin pie. I person. love pumpkin pie. It's my I favorite love pie. Apple. I love pecan. Those are my two favorites. Or pe do you say pecan or pecan? I say pecan, but I lived pecan. in the south for a while. So. There we go. Yeah. Uh, but um, pumpkin pie. I don't know. I hope I'm still an American. I feel like an American, but I do not like pumpkin pie. All right. Well, there you go. You and Jesse, the only two people in the country who don't like pumpkin pie. Although maybe <laughs> we will hear people who have, you know, Liz. Maybe you need to start the not pumpkin pie diet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, maybe you're already to on To go that. with the cabbage soup diet. <laughs> yeah, diet is really... I'm, actually, I'm kind of glad no one talked to us about dieting um, over Thanksgiving because that is not my uh, Yeah, we're not going to answer that question. You can go listen to our other podcasts. But listen, if you do have other Thanksgiving questions or maybe you have situations like these that happened and you want to tell us what you did, we would love to hear from you. You can tweet us, use the hashtag Spawn Show, check us out on Facebook, and drop us an email, spawned at coolmompics.com. So we'll be back with our cool picks of the week right after this. 
Oh my gosh, Liz, we are so excited about our brand new sponsor, Nintendo! Yay! We love Nintendo! Like, seriously, there is serious, serious Nintendo love in both of these homes. Oh my <laughs> gosh, my kids own, I think, pretty much every single iteration of the Nintendo DS, the 3DS, and of course, now the new Nintendo 2DS with new Super Mario Brothers 2 bundle, and I cannot believe that it's $79.99. Uh, uh, wait, we're supposed to say that that's the manufacturer's suggested retail price, so... It could be a little more. It could be a little less. Make sure you get the best price. But look, under 80 bucks for Christmas, pretty awesome. Kristen, you have to tell everyone about the video we just did. My gosh. Okay, so if you haven't seen it, you need to go to facebook.com slash coolmompics and click on videos, and you can't miss it because it's me (laughs) and Liz wearing side ponytails and reliving all of the crazy stuff from our childhood that should definitely stay in our childhood. With the exception. Of Nintendo, which we're glad is still here so we can play with our kids. But seriously, if you want to see me and Kristen completely humiliating ourselves and having the best time doing it, check out our Nintendo 2DS video on Facebook. It's worth it. You can laugh at us. You can laugh with us. We're still laughing. I know. Every time <laughs> I watch good. it, I'm laughing. And you know what? You can join us and share the crazy stuff from your childhood, too. We are hosting a super fun Twitter social. It's Tuesday, November 21st at 9 o'clock Eastern. We're going to be chatting live on Twitter. There's going to be giveaways. Nintendo's going to be there talking too. It's going to be so much fun. It is. I always like doing those. It's fun to like get to just chat with all of our friends and fans and followers for a half an hour and, you know, free prizes. Nothing wrong with free, right? No. And hey, if you want to grab the great deal on the Nintendo 2DS with the new Super Mario Brothers 2 bundle, it's just $79.99. Make sure you get a great price on it. And for more info, just visit nintendo.com slash 2DS. Because screen time can also be learning time, we are so happy to welcome back our sponsor, Learn with Homer. Yes, and since, hey, we're starting to have holidays on the brain, this is a pretty awesome gift in its own right, and we haven't talked about that that much. But when you give subscription gifts for kids, and this one's for kids two to eight, that helps them foster a love of reading, you feel good about giving it, they feel good about getting it. I think it's like a really cool gift idea, don't you? Well, yeah, and kids are getting so many gifts. I really like the idea of a subscription, because it's like a gift that keeps on giving all year long. And here's the thing. So we know that people are skeptical about educational apps. And you know what? We are too. But this one has been a longtime favorite because it's not only fun, as my daughter Bridget will tell you, because she asks for it every day, but it's proven. It's proven, Liz. There's a study. I know, because I like data. I'm a data nerd. And so a recent study by the former U.S. Assistant Secretary of Education demonstrated that just 15 minutes a day of Learn With Homer and kids increased their reading scores up to 74%. So that's pretty cool. Something that's fun, gets kids excited about reading, discovering their passions, and helps them increase scores. That's a great gift. What's even better than that is that you can save money, which we all love, especially at the holidays. Spawned listeners who sign up at learnwithhomer.com slash spawned, you're going to get your first two full months free. It's normally 30 days free, but we love spawned listeners. Learn with Homer really loves spawned listeners. You guys are extra special. You're going to get two months free. So just visit learnwithhomer.com slash spawned for all the info. All right. Well, now it's time for... Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And Liz, I have a good one for you. Yeah? Well, I don't know if you would actually wear these, but I don't care. You do like Stranger Things, so you never know. You might surprise (laughs) me. (laughs) 
<laughs> so we found, and actually we should give credit to Lisa on our staff who found these. They are holiday toms that glow in the dark, people. Oh, yeah. I just saw these on our site, the little Christmas light toms. The Christmas light toms. They're blowing up our Facebook page. They're blowing up our Instagram page. And in fact, they might be currently sold out. So hopefully they're going to restock before this podcast airs. But I didn't know this, Liz. Did you know that they also make them in kid sizes, which I actually think like my little girls would like to wear them more than I would actually wear them. As you know, I'm not a Stranger Things fan. I haven't worn glowing in the dark shoes probably ever. <laughs> but they're fun. They're festive. If you want to wear something, it's kind of like, I don't know, is it the alternative to like the crazy Christmas sweater yeah, or the glowing yeah. necklace? Is it's that what it is? Much more subtle than the Christmas sweater. I okay. mean, it depends also where you live. Toms aren't really like in season if you're in Minnesota, probably. Yeah. But um, but they're fuzzy inside. Wait, they're fuzzy yeah. inside. So maybe. Yeah. And hey, if you're making like a quick jump in the car and run to the store for that gross pumpkin pie filling, <laughs> you can pop on your little, they look like Christmas light strands on them, you know, in the daylight and then in the dark, those glow. They're super cool. They're really fun. They're fun. So anyway, we will link these up and everything else that we've talked about on our coolmompicks.com podcast. Podcast page. All right, Liz, what do you have as your cool pick of the week? Well, obviously, we both have Christmas on the mind. Ooh. It's holiday season. Also, because we've been working so hard doing our holiday gift guide. True that. That's all I'm thinking about these days. So I want to give a shout out to this amazing Etsy shop called Good Wishes Quilts. And I found them two years ago. They make these like adorable, kind of Dr. Seussy inspired, colorful, striped, modern, handmade Christmas stockings. And they were so cute. And because we need to get six stockings, for me and John, our four girls, I went to her and everybody picked out their colors and oh, now we have them. fun. I know. And she makes beautiful stuff, but gorgeous, modern, new styles of Christmas stockings. They're like metallic Ooh, frost ombre. I they're love ombre that. socks. So there's black, a silver, a kind of rose gold. They're really modern looking. And you know what she did on her website to thank us for covering her last year? She personalized them so it spells out cool moms. <gasps> Isn't that awesome. nice? How thoughtful. I know. I thought that was so sweet. So anyway, we just did a roundup of our favorite cool modern handmade Christmas stockings that you can get from Etsy artists and support, you know, small indie artisans. Um, it's on coolmompicks.com and top among them, Good Wishes Quilts. And you know what? Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> so thanks to her for putting cool moms on the stockings. And I love them anyway. That's awesome. Kristen, I have a bonus pick this week. Oh, do you? Oh, you think you can have a bonus pick? I do. I'm taking it. We have guests take bonus picks. That's Why true. not me? I should be able to get a bonus. That's true. You get a bonus. But I hope this is from both of us. Go see the Wonder Movie. <gasps> it's so good. It's so It just opened this weekend. Oh I got gosh. to see a, a premiere of it like the, the night before. Not like the fancy premiere, but, you know, a screening of it. Yeah. And uh, people said, how many times do you cry? And I said it would be easier to tell you how many scenes I didn't oh, cry. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. I'm so excited. But it's really uplifting and positive. It's so well done. Okay, and, good. like, as a book, that was my kid's favorite. Yeah. I was really worried how they would handle it. And while there's some things that are a little different, like, hey, David Diggs needs a much bigger part. In fact, he should just be the lead in, like, everything. Oh, we love him. Yeah, and there's a couple of things that change from the book, but for the most part, the characters are so true to the book. It's really well cast. Mandy Patinkin is the principal. The kids are all fabulous. So, really, talking about Thanksgiving and gratitude and what matters and being kind to others, that's the movie of the season for families. That's awesome. Well, I'm adding it to my list, and I cannot wait. It was a favorite book in our house, too. Yeah, it's really, really worth it. And I just don't even bother with the mascara, Kristen. <laughs> it's not <laughs> worth it. 
<laughs> well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Spawn, and huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. And happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We hope you have a good, peaceful, restful, non-confrontational filled with turkey and only the pies you like Thanksgiving. And we love hearing from you. Please leave us a review on iTunes and make sure to subscribe. You can actually do it right now. And this way you'll never miss an episode. And by the way, be sure to download or save our episodes. Even if you're not driving through, I don't know, the Arctic tundra to get to your Thanksgiving. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It actually helps us and helps other people find our podcast, which we love. Thank you so much for listening to Spawn. This is Liz. And this is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye.